0: Hello and welcome to the Digital Marketer Podcast. This is the producer Darren Clark. Jenna will be back next week, but we have a special episode today with Ryan Dice and Justin Rondo. They're going to take you behind the scenes and give some insight on how they deal with conflict inside the work environment. So this is a great episode with some huge takeaways that will help you with almost any kind of relationship. But first, I've got some other exciting news. If you want to think like the super successful, use business strategies that actually work and have a seat at the table, then check out Business Lunch with Roland Frazier. It's one of our other podcasts. And there's no better time to check it out because next week, We're doing an episode with Richard Branson, and after that, we've got Sarah Blakely, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Marcus Lemonis, and other huge guests. But not just that, when you follow Business Lunch, you will be part of a fantastic community of entrepreneurs. In fact, Roland is showing some love to his listeners with an Apple giveaway. All you've got to do is go to businesslunchpodcast.com forward slash contest, and you can win AirPod Pros, iPad Minis, iPhone Minis, all kinds of cool Apple stuff. So go to businesslunchpodcast.com forward slash contest and then check out Business Lunch this week if you haven't already on Apple Podcasts. All right, back to the show. So let me introduce Ryan Dice and Justin Rondo. Today in this episode, uh, we're going to get a little
1: dark here, I think. Dark and gloomy. Dark and gloomy. Going to be a super buzzkill. I mean, it just kind of, it kind of makes sense. Like if you start putting enough people in a room, conflict is going to arise. And I think when you have interpersonal conflict, yeah, that's going to happen at any point in time. But what happens when you have conflict between management and kind of individual contributors, subordinates and those types of things? Like, how do you
2: avoid mutiny? You work really hard to build a good team and to build a good culture. And I don't care how hard you work towards that. You know, you can have as many pizza parties and Nerf gun battles and all this stuff. Conflict is going to arise. But in my experience... Good people don't get angry. Good people don't get upset. They don't get mad at management and perceive like this gap when they're asked to do something that's hard. Good people, talented people, rational people recognize that when it comes to work, there's going to be stuff that you don't like that you have to do. So this is good if you're you're a manager or you're planning on bringing on a team or if you're an individual contributor, really beginning to kind of think this through. Like, are you upset or are your people mad just because you're asking them to do something they don't like? In my experience, that's rare. And when it happens, it's because you had a bad hire. Somebody's there and they're just not a good fit and they're in the wrong role and you need to move them over. But again, that's rare. If you're listening to this and you're an individual contributor at a company and you're frustrated right now, you know, ask yourself, am I frustrated because I'm just lazy? Probably not, right? I mean, if you're listening to this, it's because you care, you wanna grow. Lazy people aren't listening to this podcast. So it's not that people get upset or you have a risk of you know mutiny or your team walking out of this just because you ask them to do something harder, you ask them to do something that they don't want to do. People get angry. Good people get angry. Good people get upset. Good people get frustrated. Morale gets impacted when you ask people to do something they don't want to do, they don't like to do, and they don't know why. We, you know, One of our core values at Digital Marketer is know the why. And every single time this happened to us, you know, it reared its ugly head recently, but it's happened lots and lots of times. And it's because that why wasn't explained. And so if you're in one of this position, and if you're not, you will be, right? I don't care how great a leader or a manager how great a communicator you are, you know, you will be in this position. So just look for that. And more times than not, look, if you're the leader, it's your fault. It's your fault. When this happened recently, I had to stand in front of the team and say, you know, hey, I know, you know, some of you guys were upset because we were asking you to do a bunch of work. And ultimately, the reason that I think you're upset is because I didn't effectively explain the why. I didn't explain why we're doing this, why it matters, why now, how it fits into the overarching strategy. I didn't do that, and so I'm sorry. So if this happens as a leader and you determine that you didn't explain it, then you got to take the time to do it.
1: So do you think that that comes from just the – ambiguity or do you think it comes down to them telling stories because they don't know the why and just fundamentally disagreeing because they've
2: developed this story because of the
1: ambiguity that's existed
2: good people don't want to do stuff that they feel like is pointless you'll have smart kids in school that's like i don't want to do this it's stupid i already get it you know it's pointless it's meaningless so i think ambiguity in and of itself can be a problem and can cause low morale But more times than not, it has less to do with the ambiguity and more to do with the fact that because the ambiguity exists, people now begin to tell themselves a story. They begin to tell themselves a narrative. And if there's one rule that I found to be universally true, if people are given an opportunity to tell a story, they will always tell the worst version of it. And this is all aspects of life. My wife and I will be driving down the road and, you know, somebody will honk their horn. She's like, why are people honking at us? They're not. They're honking at somebody else, right? But we're always going to go to that kind of bad, bad, bad place. Unfortunately, that's just kind of what we as humans do. I don't know if it's a survival mechanism or or what it is, but they're always going to tell the worst version of it. And certainly if this is happening at a broad scale, right, if this is happening across the entire company, now they begin talking. And that's when gossip can start to manifest itself. And that's where you can really watch morale take a nosedive your best people, they'll they'll leave the fastest because they got the most options. And if you start to see that happen, then that's what's going on. You got a lot of people who are being asked to do stuff that they don't want to do, and they don't know why. So then, how do you deal with the
1: people that don't want to do it and they don't know why? I mean, obviously, there's a quick answer for the don't know why, but how do
2: you approach that? If it's on an individual basis, then you would just go to that person and have have a meeting. More times than not, as your company grows, and again, this is what we dealt with recently, there were a number of people who felt that way, and not being gossipy. They were just like, hey, does anybody know why we're doing it this way? I don't completely understand. They're like, yeah, I don't either. And I'm like, yeah. And, and it will then begin to percolate throughout. And so when that happens, and it will, that's when you need to call a meeting. You got to get everybody together. Now at Digital Marketer, we do an all hands meeting every Wednesday. And I might even say like, hey, I know there's some concerns about this. So I'm going to address it at the meeting just so that people know that we're, that we're aware of it. And I always open that up. You know, I learned this from Jocko Willick, who wrote the book Extreme Ownership, another great book that I absolutely recommend. As a leader, if something isn't going right, it's your fault. Leaders are not judged by their intentions. They're judged by the results. So if there's a negative result within the company, guess what? That's your fault, okay? So you go up there and you accept responsibility. So that's what I said. I said, you know, I want to apologize to everyone. We were pursuing a new initiative and trying a bunch of new things, and I know that it's been kind of difficult, and some of you didn't completely agree with the strategy, and I failed to explain the why behind this. So I just want to say that I'm sorry, because that's on me. I absolutely should have done that. I should have recognized that this was different, this was unique. I should have set aside the time to do it, or just written out an email, and I'm sure we wouldn't have got past this. So number one, I just want to say I'm sorry. A lot of times people in leadership think that if they apologize, that that's some kind of result, some kind of reduction of status. My experience is the opposite's true. true. Um, makes you far more human approachable. And it's just honest because you aren't going to screw up. Yeah. Right. It's like, I got to apologize to my kids when I screw up. That hurts way more. So I think that's kind of the first thing. You explain the why. Here was the reasoning behind it. Now, there's also been times where people have brought things to my attention and I realized that I I made an arbitrary choice and the choice that I made was bad. And I didn't have a good reason why. And so I had to go to everybody and apologize for not just for not explaining it, but for the wretchedly stupid idea. And then you figure out, how do we get out of this thing? Now, funny enough, that's when your team typically will galvanize. Again, good people will galvanize around that. Because you're basically saying, oh my God, you guys were right. I was not only wrong, I was thoughtless on this. So how do we get out of this thing? And that's when the opposite of mutiny, that's when everybody like rallies. Like, yay, we're not crazy. They're not crazy. You know, we just screwed up. But if it's the case where there was some miscommunication, you explain the why. Now that you understand, you know, the why, here's the reasoning behind it. There's really three options. Option number one is you become a true believer. You say, oh, well, now that Brian's explained it, I understand and I completely agree and see where they're coming from. Option B is disagree and commit. Okay. disagree and commit. And that's another acceptable option. I tell people, look, now that I've explained it, maybe what you're thinking is, I still don't completely agree, but I I see where they're coming from. And this isn't a hill I'm prepared to die on. It's not like they're saying, you know, go rob a bank or something like that. They're not asking me to do anything immoral or illegal. I don't necessarily completely agree, but I'm going to commit. As far as anybody's concerned, I'm as excited about this as they are. Because at the end of the day, a call needs to be made. Absolutely. And if you're the leader, it's your decision to make a call. Now, if you're wrong... And you got a room full of people who think that you're wrong, then, you know, hopefully they'll forgive you. And hopefully you have the humility to say, so my bad. I was wrong. You guys are right. Let's try it your way. And again, that can also galvanize a team because they see that you made the call, but you also took responsibility for it. Anybody who leaves because a leader made a bad decision, God, good riddance. You don't want to be held to that standard for an extended period of time. So disagree and commit. And this is going to happen a lot. This is going to happen a lot amongst peers. Mm -hmm. If you find with your peers that you're always in agreement, then one of you doesn't need to be there. Right? So, this level of conflict is fine, but you should talk about, okay, you explain your thing, you explain your thing, okay, let's make a call. All right, I disagree with you, but I'm going to commit as far as anybody outside of this room is concerned, they're not going to know that I ever had any doubts whatsoever. That's what disagreeing commit looks like. Yeah. For people who were not there, who were not a part of that discussion as far as they're concerned, you're every bit as excited about this plan as they are.
1: And that's so crucial because what can happen essentially is you can say, "Yeah, you know, I disagree, blah blah blah, but outside this room, I'm in agreement." But the second that even spills out, that someone can say, "Hey, did you agree with what was going on?" and then you're just like, "Actually, it was more their idea than mine." And like that that turns into that creates all these cracks and like breaks the whole system.
2: Yeah. Yeah, nobody trusts anybody. And no. so what you say there is, you know, I didn't at first, they explained it. And I completely understand where they're coming from. So yeah, I'm fully behind it. Mm-hmm. That's an appropriate response. And that might be a thing that you talk to your team about. People probably to ask you, do you agree with it? Can you kind of say this? So that's kind of option B. Option C is recuse yourself. You cannot agree with it and you think it's a mistake. So quit. Quit. Bitching and collecting a paycheck is not an acceptable option.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: It is not. And by the way, if you want to know the difference between kind of constructive feedback and gossip, if the direction of the conversation is ever down, so you talking to subordinates or a lot of times even sideways, you talking to other peers without the leader who's making the decision there, it's gossip. Mm. If it's you going and talking to the person, now that's just you wanting to learn, you wanting to figure things out. I and mean, I get it that people are going to you know talk back and forth, hey, do you understand what's going on? No, no. But when it's clear that you don't understand and they don't either – When it's clear that there's potential for conflict, that's when you have to go up or it becomes gossip. And what I said to everybody that day, what I'll relay again here, I hope members of the digital marketer team are listening, and what you should say to your team as well, know the why is a two-way street. Absolutely. So it is my job to make sure that everybody on the team understands why we're doing stuff. But you know what? There's going to be times when I forget to do that. There's going to be times when we just don't have time. A decision had to be made. I need you to go and do this stuff. I don't have time to explain why. Please go and do it. There's going to be times when I assume that people understand things that they don't. In other words, I'm going to screw up. As a leader, I'm going to screw up. As a leader, you're going to screw up, right? So to say to your team, ultimately it's on me and I need to do this. And if I fail, then that's my fault. And I apologize. I apologize in advance and I'll apologize again when I ultimately screw this up. But I need to know that you have my back. I need to know that you're accepting some responsibility too because knowing the why cuts both ways. If you're being asked to do something that you don't like to do, you don't understand why, it's incumbent upon you to come and talk to me, incumbent upon you to go and talk to your manager, your boss, right? It's not just a one direction thing. And I learned that from, uh, I mentioned Jocko Willick before in the book Extreme Ownership. He tells a story in the book of when he was a, a Navy SEAL and he's in Iraq and he was on, you know, one of his later deployments, he'd been out there a bunch of times. And generally, SEALs they're their own self-contained unit. They don't really work with other. They might go out in support of a platoon or something like that. My forget my military, not a, not a military <laughs> background. So they might go out in support, but they're a singular unit. They don't they don't go out on on patrols really with other with other people. And the mandate came down from the generals that if you're going to go out on patrol, you need to make sure that you have an Iraqi soldier with you at all times. Now. Every SEAL hated this idea because, one, they work with their group. They yep. train with their group. They went through SEAL training. They you know eat together, sleep together. I mean, they know one another's nuances, quirks. They know if one guy raises an eyebrow, that means that something's coming from one direction, and that's part of the reason they're so effective yep. as, is as a unit. So you incorporate one person in who's not in that unit, and it can throw stuff off. Furthermore, you incorporate what then an Iraqi soldier in, when Iraqi soldiers were some of the worst trained, worst equipped, A lot of them took a job in the army because they had no other choice, Mm -hmm. right? There were instances of people joining the Iraqi army who were actually insurgents so that they could kill Americans, like literally shoot them in the back while they're out on patrol. I mean, there were a lot of reasons for the SEALs to think, this is a stupid idea. This is terrible. This is bad. And there was a lot of grumbling amongst his crew. And he told the story. He's like, you know, I could have decided at that moment to join in on the grumbling. And I wanted to because I felt the same way. But I said, you know what? This is a two-way street. I need to go. My people, I need to say, this is what I'm hearing. Frankly, I agree with them. Make me a believer, or I can't do this. And they explain, like, we don't want to be here forever. You know, we're gonna have to train Iraqis to do this, the, you know, politically, the optics of it. There are all these reasons to do it. Yeah, I know it's dangerous. We ask you to do dangerous stuff all the time. Suck it up and get it done. That's your mission. It's not just, you know, your mission's gotten more complex, but it's still your mission. Okay. And he got it. Now, he didn't so much become a true believer and necessarily think it was think, thing, but he, I'm going to disagree and commit, and I'm going to make my guys disagree and commit, or I'm going to make them go home. And I just, I loved the idea of that story and that, that picture of disagree and commit. If there's quarreling, disagreement, if morale is low, and you know you have good people, it's because you're asking good people to do work they don't want to do, or they're not very good at it, or they don't agree with, and they don't know why. To begin resolving that, Take the time, set it aside, either if it's just an individual or a group level, to explain the why, here's the narrative, and then tell people, here are your three options. Get fully on board, disagree and commit, or quit. But I have no tolerance whatsoever for complaining and collecting a check. You don't have the moral high ground when you do. Hey, DM listeners, did you know that you can generate leads from Instagram without using any landing pages or websites? If you're not sure what I'm talking about, Instagram actually allows businesses and influencers to set up automations to automatically capture leads through the Instagram inbox. So this means that you can generate leads for your business all using 100% automated Instagram messages. And the good news is our friends at Bot Builders can show you exactly how to do it. They're an industry leader, and these guys have landed some of the biggest clients in the world. So if you want to learn how to use Instagram automation to generate leads, go check out their free training at botwebinar.com. They'll show you exactly how it works. You'll see a live demo, and also how you can start using their pre-built templates to start going after big clients yourself.
1: Once again, that's botwebinar.com. One question for anybody who's kind of more of an individual contributor, not in the management role, might need to get some clarity on, which is specifically like, what do you find to be the difference between inquiring
2: about the why and questioning the call? What we always tell our team here to do is give one another and certainly give us the benefit of the doubt. I'm never going to ask you to do something out of spite that I know you hate. And I'm not going to ask you to do something illegal. I'm not going to ask you to do something immoral or unethical. And if you're working for a leader right now as an individual contributor who you believe would do that, then find another job. Again, you're not doing anybody a favor. If you're even remotely talented, get out. Don't support that type of of endeavor. Don't support that kind of thing. But that's hopefully that's not the thing at all. But, but no, I mean, I think to be able to go respectfully, and what respect looks like is giving them the benefit of the doubt and saying, we're all being asked to do this, and I don't really understand why. I'm sure you have a good reason, but it's hard for me to really get behind it and be enthusiastic about something I either don't know how to do, don't like to do, is really, really, really freaking hard, is sucking up an enormous amount of time when I don't know why. So do you mind taking a little bit of time just to explain kind of your reasoning behind it? And maybe they say, yeah, absolutely. Or maybe they say, ooh, I can't do it right now because we got to do this and this. I just need you to trust me. Yep. And either you trust them or you don't. But again, if you don't trust them, then don't act like you're being some, you know, martyr by sticking it out. That's horse crap, yeah. right? I think it's fine to push back and say, okay, when do you think you could do this? Like, could we talk about it at the meeting or could, could yes. we schedule some time? And if they completely blow you off, then, again, I would find another place to work. So here's what it doesn't look like. It doesn't look like, you know, sauntering into your boss's office, flinging open the door and saying, this is, you know, <laughs> we shouldn't be asked to do this, and I'm not going to do it until you tell me why we're doing this. That ain't it. Yeah, yeah, right? absolutely. You need to stop everything you're doing and explain this to me right now. You don't know what all is going on uh, that particular day. So I think that's the difference, right? And it comes from a posture of giving them the benefit of the doubt. Yep. And if you go in saying, I know they wouldn't ask me to do something that I don't want to do, that I don't like to do, or that I suck at out of spite. Uh, I know they're not asking me to do it because they're trying to preserve some criminal enterprise so there's got to be a reason if you can adopt that mindset and begin to tell yourself that narrative now you can approach it with the respect and and humility that the situation deserves and if you can't then either you're working at a place that you shouldn't be working at or you suck you're just not a nice person (laughs) and and I hope that you get found out sooner rather than later because you're a poisonous, toxic pill. (laughs) So I think uh, saying you getting found out in those things,
1: how do you kind of identify people who are in the true believer state? Is there even a point of trying to
2: question that? To me, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It it really doesn't matter. There's lots of stuff that I do that I, that I'm not totally convinced of, Yeah, you know, that I decide I'm going to do that I'm not totally convinced of. So your degree of like passion and enthusiasm towards something shouldn't change whether or not you do a good job. You know, if you're a high performance athlete, it's not like, oh, you know, I don't know if I'm going to play that well at the game today because it's just kind of had a hard day. Well, screw you. You're part of a team. Suck it up. Get it done. So I'm less concerned about people being a true believer of that. Now, if you have somebody who they say, oh, my God, yeah, that's great. Uh, I completely understand. Then I would say to them, OK, can you make sure if, if you're in any doubts that you could begin to tell that narrative? So if people are like, OK, you know, you can tell. I would push back on them and be like, hey, can you still commit to this? Because if not, that, that's going to be an issue. Like I understand that you have your doubts. That's fair. And and if it doesn't work out and happens, I give you all permission in the world to come back in here and tell me a big fat I told you so. But it has to be in that just to you. Exactly. It yeah. needs to be in that context. And when you go out there, then you, know, you need to let people know you're going to get behind it. And recusing doesn't always mean I quit. Sometimes it means I, I can't be on this project. So yeah. it doesn't have to be that extreme. But at a small company... And, and you don't want to do the job that you've been asked to do. <laughs> okay. What it's are you like, going to do then? Yeah, what are you
1: going to do instead? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this, this, is,
2: this is what we got for you. I mean,
1: one of the things that you touched upon a little bit, which I think we should just kind of, I think, explain a little bit more, is what happens if you realize that the why that you initially had is flawed? Like, how does that change in conversation? You touched upon it a little bit, but I wanted to kind of dive in a little bit more there. So, like,
2: by by discussion, when someone pushes back on you, yeah,
1: and you just go, well, wow.
2: yeah like how does that how does that go well i mean first of all and this is why i think it's critical if if as a leader somebody does come in and they do push back and they don't understand your first response is going to be to get defensive and so that's why it's good to say you know what you know you're right i'm sorry i need to make that clear let's talk about something or sometimes it's obvious you're like oh my god i made a huge mistake and you can explain it right there but if you feel kind of that prickle of defensiveness coming in it's best to give it
1: Some time when you started referencing giving the benefit of the doubt, the, the level of kind of having a shared set of values at the organization level to codify that good employee, so to say, so that they know once they get to that state of oh I'm frustrated, don't know what to do. If you touch briefly upon like how those are an essential part of a
2: company, especially to avoid conflict, having values that everybody agrees this is this is kind of the standard, you know. So if one of our values is know the why, and somebody says you're asking me to do something and I don't know why, then I'm in violation of that value for not explaining it. And if they don't ask me about it, they're in violation of it. So what values provide is they provide a, an objective standard to say, this is what we all agree is good and right, and we all agree that not doing this is bad. So if somebody is acting you know, outside of the bounds of that, though— Knowing that they agreed that this is the thing, you either have to say, well, this person's a liar and a sociopath, right? Or you say, hey, maybe they just screwed up or it's being miscommunicated. And so when you have core values and everybody agrees as at the team level, these are our values. This is who we are, then... It, it kind of forces you to give one another the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. And, and now you can go and have conversations and you can have disagreements about the thing, not disagreements that would question someone's character. Because you can go in and say, I don't understand why this is here. I don't know the why. And obviously that's something we need to do here. You know, I know that this isn't something you just didn't do to spite me, but can we take some time to do it? Because it is something we all value. Like, you don't have to say all that. But in saying, hey, I'm doing this. I don't really understand why. Could you do it? You're, all that's wrapped up into it. Because we've all agreed that knowing the why is good. Knowing the why is critical. What giving someone the benefit of the doubt looks like is disassociating what happened from the person's character. And a lot of times when conflict isn't handled appropriately, it's because we're either attacking someone at the character level or someone perceives that they're being attacked at the character level. When you give someone the benefit of the doubt, you believe and verbally say, I know you didn't mean to do this. I know this isn't what you intended, but this is how it came off. This is how it made me feel. This is what, you know, what we're doing. I don't quite understand this. So let's talk about the way something was communicated, not the person themselves and why they're just an awful human being forever doing this in the first place.
1: Yeah. And I think, like you said, it shortens the conversation, uh, allows for, I think, a quicker conflict resolution at those
2: levels and just overall makes it a, a lot easier. Mm-hmm. To makes it easier with. to kiss and make up. Yeah. Because yeah. you didn't ever go to a bad, bad place with that person where you decided that they were the devil incarnate. Wrapping up, you you
1: had said that, you know, if you haven't run into conflict or these types of things yet, you're absolutely going to. And so, and for people that have run into this type of thing, I know this would be, you know, insanely useful for them to kind of get, you know, a framework for, for kind of like the final steps
2: Uh, The first thing I'll say is there's no statute of limitations on this. So maybe in listening to this, you're like, oh, my God, two years ago, something like this happened. Now, I'm not saying you call a company meeting about something that happened two (laughs) years ago. Probably a lot of the people that were affected by it aren't even there anymore. But there's nothing wrong with following up with somebody and saying, I just had a realization. Mm -hmm. You know, this and that. And maybe I did this and I didn't quite explain something. And, you know, I just want to tell you, I'm sorry. Um, So I think being willing, as a leader especially— To say, I'm sorry, I screwed up. If that is not in your vocabulary, if you're unwilling to do that, then you are unsuited to be a leader. Uh, You are absolutely positively, You should not be a leader. You just generally suck at life. (laughs) So when conflict arises, step number one is to go specifically to the source. Don't talk about it amongst your peers. Don't allow it to infect everything that's around. So conflict arises, go straight to the source of that. When going straight to the source, give them the benefit of the doubt
1: mm-hmm.
2: by saying, I know you didn't mean this because – and even and maybe you need to, to fall back on something that you agree. Like, I know you need to mean this because you're not like a terrible person, but this is how it made me feel. Address the thing that happened and specifically the way that it was communicated, not the person. So if you find yourself saying, you know – you did this, or you think this, or if you find yourself attacking the person or their thoughts or their values, you gotta know it's gonna go in a bad, bad direction. If you talk specifically about the thing that was said and how it was said, in my experience, again, if you got good people, conflicts are gonna arise, but conflicts don't arise because people just can't get along. Conflicts don't arise because one person is good and another person is bad. Conflicts arise because of poor communication. Poor communication among well-intentioned, good people. That's what creates conflict. So acknowledge that it was likely a communication issue. Address it and discuss it on the communication issue. And as it relates to your team from a leadership perspective, make sure that people know the why. If you see the grumbling, explain the why. But remember the three options. You know, become a true believer, commit, disagreeing, commit is an acceptable option, or recusing yourself. Sticking around, complaining, gossiping, not an acceptable option. And make sure that they know that. Uh, And as an individual contributor, if you're in this role, encourage your leaders to do this. You're going to show yourself to have leadership talents and abilities that I bet will be appreciated and recognized if you're at the right place. Yeah, absolutely. Great. I think that's that. That's that.
0: All right. Thanks to Ryan Dice and Justin Rondo for coming on the show. And thank you for listening. Before you go, I just want to give you a taste of what's coming on Business Lunch in the next couple of weeks. Have a listen. This month on Business Lunch, with Roland Fraser, Richard Branson, Sarah Blakely, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Marcus Lemonis. You're listening to Business Lunch with Roland Fraser. This is your seat at the table. You are now Sir Richard Branson. Well, first of all, you're only as good as your own reputation. And it's your personal reputation, and it's the reputation of your brand. So you've got to zealously protect your reputation.
1: I pulled over the side of the road one day, and I just started crying. And I just remember thinking, I'm in the wrong movie. Like, this is not my life. Call the director. Call the producer. Cut. Cut. This is not right. And I went home and I I started asking myself, what am I good at? What what could I possibly be good at? It's an easy thing to say, yeah, I'm good to people. I like people. I'm nice to people. I care about my customers. But when we talk about people, and I've started to really uh, rev this up a little bit more, Let's start with yourself.
0: Break the rules, because if someone says, but it never has happened before, but it's the old rule. You don't have to stick to that. You can still break that rule, and you can do something unusual that no one has ever done before.
1: This is a life journey thing that I work on, is not caring what other people think about me. And I believe in order to do something that hasn't been done before, you really have to work on that skill. Because everyone is going to tell you no, and they're going to laugh at you, and you will be ridiculed. Usually, that means that you're, you're breaking ground.
0: Whenever you want to accomplish anything great, you have to overcome a lot of obstacles. We get a big blank sheet of paper, and we think, right, how can we make this company far more appealing than any other company that's gone before us? Make sure you're following Business Lunch with Roland Frazier on Apple Podcasts.
2: So we're all very excited to see you.